0: Welcome to the Inspired Teacher's Guide podcast. We are Kim Wilkins and Laura Woldridge, just two teachers
1: trying to podcast. Hi, everybody. Hey, everybody. We hope you're warm. Yeah, because where we are, it is cold. What is the temperature today, Laura? It's like a heat wave. It's in the 20s or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to drop, though, down in the teens tonight. Yeah. yeah. In the teens. Yeah. We've been <laughs> in the single digits here, so pretty in cool. Northwest Arkansas. Um well yeah, kind of in northwest Arkansas, they're having uh sleet and snow right now. So oh, and it's, it's four degrees.
0: I still get excited about it when I hear it. I'm like, bring it on. Let's have more. <laughs> oh my god.
1: I'll stay yeah. home. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, everyone, we have some life changing content for you today. I'm super excited Exciting. about it. Uh we're going to be talking about behavior. But before we get into that, let's review a little bit about ADHD. Kim has shared information with us over the past two weeks, um, really taking us on a deep dive and then equipping us with strategies. So, um, Kim, is there any, I mean, you taught us. So is there anything that really stands out that you want us to remember?
1: Yes, I find their strengths, find a child's strengths and help them see their strengths because they don't see them mm-hmm. teach them the skills that they need for managing their time, because that is a life skill that we all need, but it do- it comes naturally to some people and to mm-hmm. others it doesn't. And then don't ever tell them to try harder. Oh yeah. Cause they're trying. They're really trying. Um, we-, we had this discussion yesterday.
0: Um, my oldest plays basketball and, we were talking about having to run laps because of a um, mistake, you know, like having, it, because, it, because the team had so many turnovers, they had to run laps, so many laps per turnover. And I was asking them, I said, do you think anybody turns the ball over on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, no. I said, I mean, I realize the point of that, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure it's effective. Like, do we need to spend our time working more on how not to turn the ball over or, and so we got into kind of a that might be more helpful. (laughs) Might be. My oldest was like, no, it'll help them remember next time they have the ball to be more careful. And I was thinking, "Mm, I'm not sure. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the amount of laps
0: they had to run, I think it's a more of an issue of needing to be work on. Yeah,
1: I think I think you're right. I never played basketball. This five nine height is wasted. Yeah. Wasted. Um it was a majorly disappointing to my mother who really wanted an athlete. Which <laughs> is too clumsy, but um so I don't know, but I, I my boys played. hmm And they did a lot of running, yeah. which doesn't hurt them in the long run. Right. But they need the cardio. They need the cardio and the stamina mm-hmm. to hold up during a basketball game, which is constant running. But um, they also need uh, fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so maybe it's a fundamental skill that's, that's listening.
0: Yeah. And superintendent, it's just by chance that you're listening. I have I have a theory, and I'm not tested it out. But if you want to win state basketball championships, you start with your elementary PE programs, building them very strong with fundamentals. I just think if we want strong readers, when we graduate, where do we invest all of our attention to? From we start heavy in kindergarten and building it up. And I think if I want to win a championship, I'm starting down in kindergarten with my P.E. and making that, you
1: know, that continuum of skills building. My, uh, you know, my son was on a state championship basketball team. And they uh, had coaches all the way through, starting in second grade, Mm -hmm. who taught them fundamentals. He was that that team was very fundamentally sound and they played smart. It also didn't hurt that the same kids played together from second grade to 12th grade. Oh, yeah. 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 So they <laughs> had all that time. And you know what? We know about um, being an e- expert at something 10,000 hours of practice. Yeah. So 10,000 hours of practice, Over. Over. correct practice, is yeah. what makes someone good at something. And I think that's what those boys had. Mm-hmm. I and mean, they were good. They were, they were a good team. I'm not taking anything away from them, but they just right. had so much experience. Right. Just,
0: we can take that into reading or, you know, things that we want to be good at and everything. 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. Um Okay. Something I do want to mention going back to our ADHD episodes, which we had two on. Um, My aunt reminded me of this. She's a listener. Well, she was a listener from Singapore, but she's moved back to America. So all the way from Oregon. But there is a website that you can go to called Site. And when I told Kim about this, she thought she was looking at new pairs of jeans. <laughs> but this is the G-E-N-E-S-I-G-H-T. And if you or your family members are... Considering medication for ADHD, depression, anxiety, or other things, um, this is something that you really might want to check out that is it's just amazing to me. Like with modern medicine, it's just so exciting. So I'm just going to read it to you. It is a test that must be ordered from your doctor or nurse practitioner, and it's just a simple cheek swab. Okay, I'm not reading anymore. Um, so, if you've got kids or people who are really scared of blood tests, this might be a great option for them. But the information that's gotten from uh, that's received from your cheek swab is then used to help better match you with medications that will work. So instead of testing out this medicine and then this medicine and then that medicine and finally getting to one that works. GeneSight is a company that really works on taking your genes and identifying into different categories, ones, uh, medications that will be most likely to help, and then kind of down the ladder. So, I
1: do that. I didn't know that's what it was called. My niece actually had that done. She was on some medicine. They tried several different medicines for attention and anxiety, and nothing was working that they had given her. So they, her pediatrician um did that test and they found out that the medicine that was going to work best for her was a medicine that they'd never tried. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very old medicine, but it was going to be working best for her in with her anxiety. So mm-hmm. the place where I go, my therapist, they do that there. Yeah. They do that.
0: I know several. um And then Places that work with children in our town, mental health agencies are also using it. So that's exciting because it is. you hate to, you know, if you're trying to help a child or even an adult, you hate to just try things and it not work with them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just, I was thankful to my Aunt Sarah for reminding me of that. And I wanted to point that out to listeners because they may not be
1: familiar with it. So jeans we- tight. I did not know that. Okay. Well, I do still need some new jeans. <laughs>
0: We'll try to find you the J E A N S I G or S I T E.
1: I'm not built for these high waisted
0: jeans, Lauren. Oh, man. And these short shirts, I'm over it. Like, I'm like no long
1: shirt. I look at them and think, where's the bottom of this shirt? It's missing. It'd be so cute. It is helping me not purchase clothes. <laughs> yeah. As, saving as, a little money there. Um, Okay,
0: listeners, so today we're going to be digging into behavior, and this is my probably my favorite to- topic to talk about and teach. Um, most of the information I'm going to be sharing, I have learned from Kagan, um, Spencer Kagan, and this information that I'll be sharing stems from a book called Win-Win Discipline. And so, what I'm going to do is share a little bit um, of an overview of win win discipline. And then, uh, will come the really good stuff with a tool that you can use that literally will enhance your life, not only at school, but at home with, say, your spouse or your children, your personal children, your coworkers, your people at church, everywhere. Um, because really, the stuff that I'll be, the tool that I'll be sharing is um, analyzing and responding to human behavior. It's not limited to kids, so um, I'm super excited to share it with you. Are you ready, Kim? I'm ready. I'm
1: I'm, I'm taking notes. I've got a paper. I'm taking notes.
0: <laughs> All right. Um. So a quick note. Or a quick a quick moment on um, the kind of the overview of win-win uh, discipline because it's important to understand this stuff before I start giving you the tool. Um, so win-win discipline is a teacher who approaches it like win-win, you know, not like lose-win, things like that, um, always accepts the student while rejecting the behavior. And so like we're not we're not going to be allowing these disruptions in our classroom, but we will always be accepting the student. And that is a very important thing to consider. So win-win discipline um has you think about things that has you think about discipline as we are on the same side, the student, um, our spouse, et cetera. We are on the same side when we're problem-solving the solution. So we will always be modeling respect and understanding. Um, These situations are always solved with we, the we mindset, not the you. Not the you are doing this. You know, it is we need to work on this. We need to address this. And we are always modeling strong communication, strong, respectful communication. And so Kagan really challenged us to think about we have to be on the same side preventatively, in the heat of the moment, and after a situation. And those that gets challenging when we're dealing, you know, with, with all kinds of disruptions uh, or behaviors at all times. So he really wants, uh, he and his team want us to look beyond the behavior and today the tool i'm going to be sharing with you it, we're really looking at trends not just specific behaviors but the same side um approaching things in the same sides really fills the human needs of needing attention and needing connection and recognition i think um you know we, st- we in if you study social emotional learning um, we really focus on, you know, kids having their knowing themselves and having value. And when we approach discipline on the same side, we are doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think about that foundational principle? I think I actually I just did some PD over the snow break, uh, participated in some PD on um, it was actually on t- suicide. Mm. And it was. Fascinating and interesting information. But the the big thing there that one, one of my big takeaways was that this very thing that you're discussing, accepting the student, rejecting the behavior. Right. We're going to, we're going to, it's we, we need to do that. It's, this is, I'm here with you. We're going to get past this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This will be okay. Right. And, and the helping. presenter said, you know, that it may not be okay today. Right. It may not be okay next week. It may not be okay until you're 18 years old and you can go out on your own, but eventually it will be okay. Mm-hmm. We can get through this and I am here for you. And so
0: that's okay to say, you know, like yelling at your brother like this is not accept, you know, I'm not accepting that, mm-hmm. but your relationship and you are so important to me. You know, and so always with our uh, nonverbal behavior and our verbal behavior, I think we need to communicate that we not, uh, or that, um, not accepting the behavior, but accepting the the child or the the adult that we're working with.
1: Yes. The therapist that did this training said that her little girl was hitting Mm. and hitting her younger sibling. And she called her over and said, you know, we don't. We don't do that. You have a good heart. Mm-hmm. We can go in there and sit down and help your hands to make the, the good decisions that your heart makes. Oh, I and can see Les- Lexi saying this stuff to her students. Oh, I can too. And she said she looked, the little girl was sitting in time out because we were, we were going to learn. Right. She said the little girl was talking to her hands. We, oh, don't, we don't hit. I have a good heart. We don't hit. <laughs> I know. I can hear Lexi doing this. I but, yes. Another part of
0: um another foundational principle of the win win discipline philosophy is collaborative solutions. That discipline is done with the students, not to the students.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah
0: and you know we do this guys at the beginning of the year we're setting up this where we um, make the social contract together we set expectations we may even create our rules together and so we're setting up the collaborative solutions we just don't want to end it there so you know like the way that i did it in the classroom is i would make a behavior plan with kids or adults at the college level you know co-creating you know, plans for improvement um, or just even plans to address the behavior that we're rejecting or that's not acceptable. So, you know, it's just think, just think about that. If I'm having a problem, Kim, you're not going to come to me with a plan. You know, I'll be like, what, what are you thinking? Who do you think you are? (laughs) But if you come to me and you're like, hey, this is a problem laura i'm noticing it affects you and let's work together on a plan i'm going to be much more yes accepted you know ready to accept your your ideas Yes,
1: yeah
0: and you know so many times with the collaborative solutions students will have ideas especially in the younger grades or if they're super you know even at the college level i would have kids who were students who would be very intimidated by making a behavior plan, mm-hmm. um, even though I was communicating, this is a wee thing, growth mindset, all that stuff. It's, I don't think they had ever been in a situation like that. Discipline had mm-hmm. always done, been done to them. And so there, it was a bigger role for me to help provide ideas for how mm-hmm. to collaborate. But still, I'm always asking, what do you think about this? You know, what are your ideas?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so the last part of Ketgen's philosophy is that we are promoting life skills and self-management. Yes. It's kind of like that conscious discipline or not kind of like conscious discipline. Um, we are promoting self-regulation and things like that. We, we want the skills of responsibility embedded in our teaching, um, you know, in our content and when we address behavior issues. I mean, it's so hard to learn responsible behavior. It is. I mean, we have to unlearn things that have been wrong. Um, you know, if it's external reinforcement, maybe cracking jokes during teaching has worked and gotten me lots of laughs in the past. And so it's been externally reinforced. Mm -hmm. And so for me to learn responsibility to my friends, it's going to be very difficult. Um, Maybe it's just a habit. You know, I just do things because I've always done it. Um, And it's just flat out hard to control emotions.
1: It is. Yes, it is. It really is. It's hard for us. And it's certainly hard for a Mm 10-year-old. Yeah. Or a 15-year-old. And...
0: You know like i I just always go back to Ross Green because he is he is the guru thinking about kids and humans have lagging skills. that's why we see arguments blow up and become a physical fight mm-hmm. or um you know all kinds of things that we see in the adult world um and in the kid world that we don't we do not have the skills and it hasn't become a practiced uh, it it hasn't been practiced. So therefore it doesn't come out as your response. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that is another foundational principle of Kagan. So, you know, we're on the same side as the kid. We're building these collaborative plans and we are very focused on building their skills. And so now, now that you know the foundation of their philosophy, it's time for us to give you your um, tool for today. So, the tool that I'm giving you is we are going to be analyzing behavior um, and classifying them. And we are inferring this. So I'm okay. not sitting down and asking you, Kim, why are you doing this? Um, I am just inferring. I'm watching and gathering. it.
1: So- Sarah, that is one of the things that I I just, when I hear a teacher, when I've been coaching and I hear a teacher say, to a student. Why did you do that? Well, Mm -hmm. they're eight and they don't know any better. That's why.
0: Or they're 16 out on the basketball court.
1: and they
0: they turned over the basketball. (laughs) They made a mistake. (laughs) I was trying to make you mad, Coach, so you would scream at me in front of everybody. (laughs) Let's not go. Oh, man. Now, I have ended up asking students once I've kind of rolled a little bit of this out to them, like I've been learning a lot about behavior and, and I'm thinking maybe this might be a roadblock for you, is it? And then sometimes they're like, oh yeah, like how'd you know that, Miss Woldridge? I'm like, I didn't <laughs> yeah. right. But anyway, I'll just quickly point out like, okay, the things I'm about to share with you is a tool where we analyze behaviors and we classify them, but why will we, why should we do this? Why am I commercial or why am I marketing you doing this to, to your students and to your people is because it will help you respond better. If you classify, if you really analyze behaviors and classify them, they will help you respond better. They will help you look at things objectively. So, so many times we get wrapped up and, um, our feelings are hurt, we're thinking they're doing it just to us, or things like that, and we want to make sure that we're objectively looking at behavior. Um, We classify so we can communicate, so we can make the good choices about language. And also, if we're trying to refer a student for further services, um, we can communicate to others. And also, um, it will just help us target, um, target our attention, and then target our responses, which I've already mentioned. So, all right, what I'm going to roll out to you is something called student positions. And this is not crisscross applesauce. (laughs) These are the reasons why students and humans, me uh, or myself, make, will do things. Um, So let's say that Kim talks the whole time during class. And little Laura is over there um, pestering Brock. Like, so we're looking at behaviors we see in classrooms and we're thinking, why are they doing this? And so Kagan rolls out seven different positions of human behavior. And we do all of these. These are reasons why we do behaviors. And I'm going to add a Laura eighth eighth number. So this is not based in, like a huge research study, but it's based on watching humans. So here are the reasons why we do what we do. One is very easy, attention-seeking, okay? Um, We need to seek attention. Let's think about, Kim,
1: your grandbabies, they cry. Why do they cry? Because they need something. They need attention. They need to pay pay attention Mm to their needs their
0: needs. There's something going on. And so that is born into us and we must seek attention. If I'm choking, if I'm hurt, I need to seek attention. Okay. Sometimes though, and we'll see this a lot like on social media and different situations that we're in, we will catch ourselves thinking, oh, they're seeking attention. And
1: what did Amy teach us? They're seeking seeking a connection. connection
0: that's right. So sometimes, but we still need to acknowledge in our head that, okay, no, I think they're seeking attention in that behavior. And still my mind is going to flip to connection. But many times we'll see humans feel this attention-seeking need with inappropriate behaviors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so what we're trying to get guys is if 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 i'm watching kim in my class and i've had her for a week let's say and she's been causing problems every day during sixth period i really want to dig into why do i think she's causing these, these problems and they may not even be big mm-hmm. but if kim if it's kind of boiling down to attention seeking then i know she needs connection and i know she needs attention and I have to give it to her positively, mm-hmm. or you are going to do that for the next 35 weeks in class. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one reason. So attention seeking and Kagan, when they're teaching, they always do hand motions. And so I want you to picture attention seeking as the one reason, and you like wave in your hand to get the attention. That's the way to remember it. So attention seeking, another reason why we do what we do is avoiding failure. I mean, oh. no one likes to fail. Um, how does it feel when you fail?
1: What's well, frustrating and sad? It hurts <laughs> your feelings.
0: It's, an, it's embarrassing, you know? It's, oh, yeah.
1: Oh, It's so embarrassing, yeah. especially if it's in front of somebody. It is embarrassing. But yeah. just it's just a sense of loss almost. Like, if I fail at something that nobody else even knows about, it's like I've lost something. Mm. Like, oh, that's good. I've not thought about that. Yeah. So students
0: will will do things to avoid failure. I think the easiest way to look at this is you've got a kid, you start math and they they need to go to the nurse or they need to go to the bathroom or something like that. Mm-hmm. They're avoiding the situation mm-hmm. because they're not good at it or whatever. But many times if you're tracking a kid's behavior, you may boil it down to avoiding failure. So maybe that student doesn't want to participate in group work because they don't want the group to see. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe who knows what it is. But avoiding failure is another reason we do what we do. We make choices to avoid things, not doing things, or we'll just crack a joke instead of responding to the you know, yes. question yes. or whatever because it's like yes. I don't want to admit that I've done that or that mm-hmm. I haven't done that, etc. So the hand signal for avoiding failure is you kind of cover up your face like you're, you're embarrassed and you're covering up your face. So we've got two reasons so far. Uh, we do what we do to seek attention and then we do what we do because we're avoiding failure. So the third uh, position that Kagan offers is anger. We'll make decisions out of anger. Um, It's a natural reaction. Um, You know, it's just a normal part of life. It's not bad to be angry. It's just our decisions that come out of the anger that usually are the issue. And so we'll work. You know, that's an important thing. We'll validate kids' feelings or or human, you know, spouse feelings. But we just work with them on the skills to handle the situation. So, um, you know, being frustrated at maybe even a loss. Um, a loss of something, a game, um, a competition in class, or something, you might see that anger going on. Maybe they're humiliated. Maybe they're defeated. Um, but a lot of times you'll see students make choices and it is out of anger.
1: Yeah. I think showing empathy at that point, you know, I know you're upset and I would be upset too. I, yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. When Lane was really little, he got mad at his mother. She, he wanted to do something, and she wouldn't let him do it. And he <laughs> said, I, I really want to hit you right now, Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I know you do, but that we don't hit people. That's I mean, right. That's, yeah, But we can't do that. Um, they do, yeah. I mean, that's really how you feel. You're just
0: you feel. And I think, um, you know, we have a lot of students who aren't going to be the burst of anger. Mm-hmm. But they are a simmer person and it's anger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so that is something to look for when I'm analyzing behavior. When I've got a student who I'm like, okay, they're causing problems most days, I need to look deep. And I'm asking myself, are they seeking attention? Are they, are they seeking connection? Are they avoiding failure? Or is it an anger issue? And really thinking deep mm-hmm. because the simmerers are um hard to identify but we want to make sure that we help them if they are
1: angry you know i didn't even think about that yeah they're they're just shutting down and simmering and they're mad they're not gonna (laughs) say anything right they're not gonna learn anything (laughs) (laughs) all
0: right so the the third anger is you know you ball up your fist so we can Attention seeking, avoiding failure, anger. The fourth one is control seeking. Um, so, this is really where students are, you know, you say to me, uh, Miss Wooldridge, I got a 92 on this essay, and um, I'm not really liking the way that you graded on this rubric. Or you say, Oh, you assigned us an essay. Can I do a presentation instead? Mm. You know, the control seeking is in the little things, and it's where students are really trying to push the buttons. I mean, we relish choice. It makes us feel in charge. It makes us feel valuable when we have choice. And so it is so important that we include choices in our classroom because it gives
1: humans need a sense of control. They do. Mm -hmm. They do. But and I agree 100%. Like, I give choice, and I think that is so important. But ch- children need to learn, too, that sometimes we have to do things that we don't like to do because that's the world we live in. And we're going to get yeah. a job someday, and there are parts of my job that I don't want to do. I don't want <laughs> to do it, but I don't have a choice. So so assigning something occasionally, you assign an essay. Right. They will- no, you've assigned an essay because they've got to learn to write an essay. And yeah. it's hard work and we don't want to do that. It's presentation presentation's way more fun. That's mm-hmm. more fun to do that. But um yeah, I think I think they do need choice, but they're gonna have to learn to do some things that they don't wanna do.
0: Exactly. That's but that's and like even like in the structure of your class you'll you'll just you'll see little moves and if you're really targeting your attention to watching why is Kim doing what she do what she's doing, I think you will start to see a trend. And it may be avoiding failure or it may be controlling control seeking or it may be this. The reason why we're going through these seven or eight um things is just to start peaking your awareness of why might he or she be doing this and then how can I help address it? Mm-hmm. Um, because the control seeking will will be a big thing to work on. Okay, so the fifth one is just you've got these kids who are so energetic. I mean, they just cannot control it. You know, the need to touch, the need to rub your hands down the wall as we walk down the hall. Yes. The need to move, the need to manipulate. That is... Those are basic things that we touch and feel. Um, But sometimes it will cause problems in your classroom. So just kind of analyzing it, is it, is this kid just have a bowl full of energy every day? And then we are accepting the child always, but then we can start addressing just the energy level coming in. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I've I've had students who needed to stand and I just like in the back of the room yes. or me, I'm a tangled mess in my seat, you know, just, I think it is the energy kind of coming out. Not that I have tons, but when I sit down, all of a sudden I do have energy. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, a plan for movement is much needed for all of your students, but then especially for those students who are coming to you loaded with energy.
1: I had several students that when we're doing, especially if we're working on fluency Sometimes on even on spelling, they want to stand at their desk Mm -hmm. and and work. Or a lot of times with fluency, I think it makes them feel like they're more in control. Mm. They get anxious anyway. Yeah, because I'm a a dyslexia therapist, so that's not Mm -hmm. not my strength. Fluency, so yeah, yeah. So I just let them stand. Um, Okay, the sixth one
0: is bored. Um, I mean, our brains—it's going to happen. It doesn't matter. What you do about it. (laughs) At some times, we're going to be bored. And so, it's the direct opposite of all that energy. And so, what we're trying to do is kind of promote an even, you know, a nice medium. So they're not bouncing off the walls, but they're not bored. Um, But kids like flow, and we are always seeking stimulation. So, maybe the kids' behavior in seventh period, maybe they are disrupting and causing problems because they are bored. Mm-hmm. And that is a hard pill to swallow because yes. it's like, okay, what do I need to do to help this? Um, so, and, yeah. you know, and this is also hard for those when you've got those very advanced little kiddos in your room who come to you, ready to do your maternity leave. <laughs> and they're
1: they're Yeah, ace. and you, you have them at different ends of know. the continuum. It's so hard to balance that. It really is.
0: But I always, when I'm teaching, uh, when I'm training teachers, I always want them to consider, what are you going to do for the kids who already get it? Because they can be a nightmare in your classroom behavior-wise.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: really thinking about, you know, are they doing, Are they is this kid doing what they're doing because they are bored or full of energy? Is that the root cause? Because then I can start targeting conversations and attack plans. Mm-hmm.
1: What's, like oh, go ahead. What were the hand motions for oh, energetic and oh, bored? Just like
0: picture yourself moving your hands like, oh, okay. <laughs> just kind of like, um, and then bored. I just always act like I'm asleep. Sorry, I forgot my hand motions. Okay, let's review them because it's always important to review. So we, we've got six so far. So we've got attention seeking. I'm waving you down. Avoiding failure. I'm covering up my face so you don't see me. I'm humiliated. I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm angry. So I've got my fist balled up. Um, I'm pointing my finger because I am seeking control right now. I'm telling you what to do. Or giving you a little recommendation. And (laughs) energy is your hands are waving up in the air, like both of them, because you've got so much energy. Bored, you're just down. And the last one that Kagan offered is socially uninformed. We do what we do just because we don't know the ropes. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: Kagan, uh, I think uh, Maybe I made up these hand motions, some of them. I can't remember because I didn't go to this training. I just read read the books. Um, But anyway, socially uninformed is where you put your hands up and you're kind of like asking a question like, what? And so this is just really not knowing the rules of the game or um, or not having the flow of things automatic. So I picture this like with kids in centers or at the beginning of the year, they're, they're making mistakes just because they do not understand how to do it. Okay. And this is a big, you know, like telling isn't teaching. We have to remember that. You say, I've told them how to do that many times. Well, we might need to show them. Um, (laughs) And that. And that really yep. goes down to procedures, you know, mm-hmm. maybe practicing
1: those procedures. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so, it, it and, and remember that it's not just a one time event. We're really teaching kids how to do things
1: and providing feedback.
0: Yes. It's construct, not constructive, but informative feedback. Mm-hmm. So. All right. So, that is the seven that Kagan's provided. And the last one that I I think I realized it when we were podcasting with Angie, episode four. If you haven't listened mm-hmm. to that one, give that one. Yeah, all, it's a good one. Uh, talk about a tool. But um, I th- I think that humans make some decisions out of fear. Oh, I think so too. And so Kagan doesn't offer that one, but Spencer Kagan here's an addition. I think you should add to your book is, and we will see kids do that. um, Kids do that, and adults do that too. And Mm -hmm. you know, some some may say, "Well, that's avoiding failure." Not always. I think sometimes we're just scared, and we make decisions off of being scared. Mm
1: -hmm. So I think so too.
0: So what I want you to know, friends, is we're just making inferences. I'm watching, like literally I have a chart that I used even at the college level and definitely in the lower grades where I would track a kid's behavior. I would write the behavior down and then I would infer their position. Why do I think they did what they did? And a lot of times if I look over a week or a month, I can see trends of one or two positions. After I teach this to university students, I'm always like, okay, what are my positions? (laughs) And they're like, oh, gosh, do I say it? I'm like, say it. You know, you've watched me for half a semester. You know what I do. And so I'll put you on the spot, Kim. What's one of my positions that I do things out of? Control seeking. It's such a secret. I such so hide it. I hide it so well. Yeah. Everybody guesses it one hundred percent of the time. What's mine? What do oh. you think mine Oh,
1: energy. Hmm. Yeah. I would think um, maybe avoiding failure. One hundred and twenty five percent avoiding failure. I'm terrified of it. There are things I really want to do and. I told him the other day, I said, I'm, I'm running out of time in my life to do the things I want to do. And I haven't done them. I have the, all these stories of growing up at Walcott. They're hilarious stories about people who I lived around, like old timey, that not anybody you would know, but just funny, funny things that happen. And he tells me all the time, you've got to write that down. Those are hilarious. Like that is a whole sitcom. A whole sitcom.
0: And anybody that's lived in a small town would love to read that.
1: Oh, I, it's kind of like French front porch tales or something. But mm-hmm. anyway, he's like, "You've got to do that." Oh, nobody would want to read my book. Do it, Ken Wilkins. You never know.
0: Um. Okay, so listeners, this is the way you use the tool, similar to what I just described. You're not doing this on everybody. You know, I would start w- maybe at home. You know, you've got a problem with a kid uh, at your house, and you're trying to figure out what they're doing and why they're doing it. And so you kind of track it. When is it happening? And what, do you, what is happening? And then what do you think their position is? And many times I will write down two or three. It may be attention seeking. It may be control seeking. Or maybe it's energy. And so I write down all three infer, it, all three of my inferences. And then my job is after I get a collection of infractions or disruptions that they are doing, then I come back and look at that chart and go through and highlight the trends. And what I am going to do is try to start filling the needs. So, um, you know, and really, you could, if you study a uh, win win discipline, you know, maybe, um, you know, I'm avoiding failure because I want to feel success. Mm-hmm. I'm control seeking because I need to know what's going on. I need to have choices. Like my brain cannot think if the in the unknown. And so I'm going to try to feed the needs when I can, and that is not always, but to feel the needs positively because the kid and the human. Is doing the behavior because their cup isn't full. So we have to fill that cup. We got to fill that cup. And so it's like the bucket filler thing. Mm -hmm. But what I want you to know is we're always going to do these eight things. I mean, we're always going to do things because of these eight reasons. And I'm sure there's more, but this is just what the research has shown in my personal research. But you know, if there's a problem in your room and it's a thorn in your side, then it's worth investigating. Yeah, it and sure is. You can most of the time help it. You may not be able to fix it, but you can sure help it. Mm-hmm. And this is a great
1: way to do it. So and, it's really a way to face that problem head on Uh huh. instead of just living with it or putting up with it until you just lose your cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then you're not on the same side and you're, Mm -hmm. it is a you thing. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I just think it's, and I will use it on myself. You know, I'll start getting into something and I'll see myself and I'm like, Oh, Laura, you are this, or you are that what's going on. Um, And so it's been a powerful tool for myself, uh, for me at home, you know, especially raising children. I'm like, Oh, this is, This is what's happening uh, and just transformative in a classroom.
1: Mm -hmm. So anyway. That's interesting. Attention seeking, avoiding failure, anger, control seeking, energetic, bored, socially uninformed or fear. Mm -hmm.
0: That, you know, this is and I think they call them positions because it's like the position of causing me to
1: do something.
0: Gotcha. So, you know, if I'm getting up and sharpening my pencil 13
1: times <laughs> during
0: math,
1: mm-hmm. Or f- fear of failure. Yeah. Failure.
0: Or maybe attention seeking, you know, or so I would write all three of those down. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to be tracking that kid at other times of the day and other mm-hmm. times that they're doing odd things that are considered a disruption. I just think it does such a great job when we look at behavior like this, it's Reminding us that we are all human. We all do these things. And the child just needs some help figuring things out, how to do things.
1: What if you, what, let's say the child is always, because I see this a lot in elementary students, they're all, always in everybody else's business. They're trying mm-hmm. to solve everybody else's problem. Do you think that's connection seeking?
0: I would think probably, uh, possibly some, some attention seeking. Maybe it's control because they don't like, um, discord, you know, like I don't like my friends fighting and so I'm going to try to fix the situation.
1: Could we? Okay. Yeah. Um, could it be socially in- uninformed?
0: I think if you're up in somebody's face, you know, maybe that's the way your family does it, but that's not that's the not way we
1: do it at school. Do it, that's yeah. not how we do it every other place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You
0: know, um, I think especially when you start doing this, you're going to have, you're going to think maybe it's this or maybe it's this or maybe it's that. Write them all down.
1: And then okay. look for a pattern because yeah. it's not a one-time I saw no. this play. Mm-hmm. We do
0: not make a decision about a kid or even how to how to problem solve a kid off of one piece of data.
1: So That's right.
0: Okay and look at it it's interesting it's interesting um and it's just so powerful so try it on yourself try it at home and try it on kiddos and remember we're not really sharing this information with the kids so you will start to see a difference If, if you're thinking oh they are attention seeking so they need connection and you start feeling that need um, in positive ways when they are not doing the disruption. Like, I'm going to start seeking connection with you at other times. Um,
1: then, So that really is analyzing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then classifying it would be? D- during the eight,
0: like analyzing I'm watching for. Okay. And I'm looking for patterns. But the and classifying the- is when I'm writing down, maybe it's attention seeking,
1: maybe it's control seeking, okay. maybe it's anger. And I'm putting the behaviors yeah. with those. Okay. And we want to do that so we can communicate with the student, right? And yeah. say, yeah. I know and
0: this. How to respond. It's mm-hmm. going to help us be very intentional about how to respond. Okay. Because okay. if I know a kid is seeking connection through attention, then I'm probably going to choose a different way to respond than if I think it's anger. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to fill their cup and they've got eight cups. Not. And I'm not feeling the wrong one. You know, yeah. if I do, it's, it's okay. It's, uh, yeah. it's just, we're trying to attack the ones that are most present. Okay. And this can change over time too. Huh.
1: But you're really just worried
0: about what's happening now.
1: That's right. And we're promoting life skills and self-regulation, self-management. We want to be respectful to students. We said the last time, if you wouldn't do it to an adult, don't do it to a child. And calm.
0: They they don't need one more person blowing up on them. Mm
1: -mm. So. No, they don't.
0: Well, if this is your jam then the book Win-Win Discipline may be something that you investigate. I will tell you, we could spend four years discussing it. It is so dense. It is so, so dense. But it does give you some great insight into that philosophy that I quickly went over. And then even deeper into those positions and how to respond to those preventatively, how to respond to those in the moment, mm-hmm. and then how to respond to those after the fact. But just, man, if you just use this information at what we've given to you in the last 49 minutes, um, you're going to get fruit out of it. So I think
1: so too. That was good. Thank you, Laura. Yes, I learned so much. I've got two pages of notes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm Oh, yes, you are.
0: Yeah. All right, friends. We want to encourage you. We know the spring semester is difficult. It's dark outside so much. It's cold. Those babies are inside. Um, and even the high schoolers feel the weight of the spring. It's long. But mm-hmm. hey, you've got a ray of sunshine in you. Shine it bright and it's make time. sure you fuel it. Yes. Fill your yes. cup. Fill your cup. Yeah. Um, All right. We'll see you next time, people. Bye-bye.